Hello, and you're back with the Untitled SEO podcast. I'm your host from YesEO. My name's Andrew Laws. And in this season of the Untitled SEO podcast, we are doing what we call LAN. And LAN is live action networking. I've been working in marketing for over 25 years now, and I've always been bothered that people in marketing don't spend a lot of time just hanging out with each other. We might go to conferences and give give talks and be very official and very kind of stiff and 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 proper, as it were. But we don't ever just have a good chin wag. So in this season, I'm finding interesting people to speak to and getting to know them live during the recording. And I am very honoured to have a guest with me today. Honoured guest, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, Andrew. My name is Jeff Bill. I'm known as Mr. Marketology, and uh, it's an honour to be on the show. I'm glad to to have the chance to meet you and and network. Like you said, not too many times that you just get out and get to just, you know, chop it up with somebody and and just talk business and and not talk business in a sense. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's always the relationships. I find that even with in-person networking, the people who I talk to about generally things that aren't connected to marketing or aren't connected to work, they tend to be the people in the long run that I end up actually working with. I think yeah. I, I don't. Um, just for listeners, you where, whereabouts in the world are you, Jeff? I'm in Atlanta, Georgia. So the the place where everybody uh, talks about, uh, unfortunately, our football team a lot of times oh, right. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> talk about. But yeah, it's Atlanta. That's where I'm at. So I'm I'm in the UK and at networking meetings here, in person ones, which we're sort of just about back to now. We're we're about doing that again tend to find that some people who come in very heavy with the heavy sell and they've got their stack of cards you know their business cards and they're hey and they're trying to pitch to everybody those people never do well i agree i agree actually i had a client i told that um i was telling him with his campaign to build relationships with verticals that speak to his audience and so I'm, i'm saying look just build relationships he's like yeah i'll tell them about my sale they don't want to know about your sale well i'll tell them about the benefits i can they don't want to be your salesperson. That is not the goal. The goal is just to meet them, just to talk with them, find common interests, things of that nature. And and as business that is in your line of work comes up, you'll come top of mind. They'll say, oh, yeah, I know a guy that does that. And it's a good referral sale versus here's my business cards. Like you say, here's my offers. Here's my sales. Go out and sell for me. Nobody wants to be your salesperson. No. <laughs> we don't like being our own sales people. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's a lovely way of putting it. Actually, it's the way I explain it to to some people is um, you uh, you know old fashioned newspaper sellers who stood on street corners and basically shouted about the fact they had newspapers out like, newspapers or yeah. shouting the headlines or whatever. If you go into a networking or any sort of marketing environment and you just lead with the sell or the pitch, you're just shouting at people. You're just that yeah. guy that, that people are crossing the street to avoid. Whereas um, yeah. something that I think is quite quite fun. Everyone I work with, I they all get a copy of the Dale Carnegie book. Uh, you know how to win friends and influence people. Mm-hmm. And I encourage I encourage my team if they go to networking to try not to say anything about themselves at all. For at least nice. the first or second time, you know, the first and the second time they go to a new meeting. Tell people your name and, you know, there's a bit where you stand up and they say, yeah. you say, hi, I'm Andrew Laws and I'm gray-haired SEO wizard at YesEO. That is cool. You can do that. But yeah. after that, don't say a word about yourself. Yeah. 
And for one thing, you know, the interesting thing about it, Andrew, is if you are about your business, which most of us are, the passion comes out in your conversation anyway. You don't have to say, this is what I do, because if it's what you do all day, it's going to come up in the conversation just organically. And you'll start talking. Let's let's talk SEO. You'll start talking about. So um, you're in Atlanta. I can start saying, hey, you about the Falcons. And then I can start talking about you can Google them online. Um, one of the things that I've noticed with Google is they've changed things. And this is how the algorithm works. And people's like, what? What are you talking about? Oh, I'm sorry. I do SEO. <laughs> oh, you do SEO. But see, it wasn't forced. It wasn't. Hi, I'm Jeff. I do SEO. It was more like this is how you can find a certain thing you're looking for. But the algorithms change. So this is how you should search for it. Now you're you're positioning yourself as you're an expert because this is what you live. This is what you do, who you are versus this is my title and this is what I've done for however long. Absolutely. So, so Jeff, let's let's get into your origin story. How, how did you find yourself where you are? When, how did you get into marketing? That is a beautiful question and it's interesting. I got in it because I have a big mouth, as you can see. I talk a lot. So I was in the Air Force and um, I was in ammo, career killer. That is not oh, a career really? you want to be in. <laughs> well, they're literally what, hand, handling the ammo? Ammo, I was the guy that brought the missiles and bombs to the plane and, oh, and right. worked on the missiles and bombs. It was not a career path that I chose. It was funny how it happened. When I enrolled in the Air Force, the recruiter said, do you want to work with planes? I was like, oh, yes. I'm thinking flying. That's what I'm thinking. Pilot. <laughs> Nothing close to being a pilot. So I end up, you know, not knowing enough. Let him put me in an MOS and the MOS he put me in was in ammo. And so once you're in a MOS, the only way to get out of the MOS is to transfer to another MOS What's that has MOS? availability. Sorry, Sorry Jeff. Oh, it's, you? it's your pretty much your job description. Okay. Your, okay, cool. your job. So, so only way you get to another job or career is you have to transfer into something that has availability. And then they usually have somebody that'll switch with you in a sense. Well, nobody wanted to go to ammo. So I was stuck and, and uh, it was interesting. So while I'm in ammo, um, I was like, this is not what I want to do. So I, start taking up in school computers, you know, network administration and so forth and so on. So I started getting really good at computers. Now I did this on my off time because on my, my regular time I was on the flight line. So I was in a truck with missiles on the, on the trailer, sitting, looking at an airplane all day. That was my job. And so as I got better at it, I started to notice that our, our website was a symposium that we were doing was horrible. And I was like, this website sucks. And so they said, well, if you can do better, then do better. So the challenge was put. So I started doing the website, got into web development. So after that, then I said, well, nobody can find you. Now, this was when Google, this was in the mid-90s, early 90s. So this was Google wasn't even really a thing. It was, it was Yahoo. It was, you know, um, so they were like, this sucks. So they said, well, if you know better, do better. So I end up getting this. Now, mind you, Andrew, I'm not getting paid extra for this work. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just getting tasked to work because I opened my big mouth. 
So as I started to learn it and I got out the military, I ended up getting hired by an agency that wanted to sell to the military. So they wanted to sell to it. They figured since I was getting out of it, the relationships were there. So got into that, started doing websites. And that's where my career started with websites. But as I started doing websites, I started noticing people had these beautiful websites. Uh, really, back then, they weren't that beautiful. But they had these websites, but nobody could find them. So they weren't really worth anything. So that's when I started to get into SEO, end up coming, moving here to Atlanta, got with an agency, um, 360i, awesome agency, um, taught me a lot, started to learn SEO more, SEM, um, so both sides of the fence. Um, and then from there, went in-house, started working with uh, companies in-house, uh, worked my way as an executive uh, director of marketing, things of that nature. Um, so as I started to look at SEO, of course, SEO isn't enough. I mean, they might not find you. So I started to dip and dab into paid search, into social media. And then I started falling in love with marketing automation. And so that's where the Mr. Marketology came into play. I started to look at, it's not one channel that's going to sustain your business. It's a, it's a connection of channels that work together in your common goal. And so that's when I started to look at automation, look at strategy. Um, the tools may change, the trends may change, but the principles are the same. So I started looking at more of, let me help you with your strategy, build out your strategy, and let me show you how you can automate it. Because a lot of people don't have the desire or time to do it all every day themselves. Um, and, you know, make it easy. Let the machines work. Now AI is definitely letting the machines work. So let the machines work. Automate it. Uh, got into that. Um, and that's where I'm at today. I mean, uh, it, it's kind of more of it started with me opening my big mouth and telling people that their babies were ugly. So <laughs> <laughs> that's how it started. It's such a, I'm, I'm you know, we're, we're not completely dissimilar story. In fact, I started building websites opposite an American Air Force base um, here in Suffolk. There's there's a there was a very large base called Bentwaters and another one called Woodbridge. Um, this is back, you know. I'm old enough to to remember Cold War, and I'm guessing we might be roughly a similar age here. But my my boss at the time had he'd worked several jobs in the Air Force, and then when the base shut, it was naturally his his service was up, so he left and, and hired me, and we built computers and websites and stuff. Same thing though, just going. There, there was this really odd vibe at the time that if you had a website that somehow, you know, it would be a build it and they will come thing. People used to brag because yes. not everyone had websites in the 90s. People would say, why should you work with us? We've got a website. And I can remember thinking, mm -hmm. what? That doesn't make that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it just means someone can use Notepad and those rudimentary HTML. And I, I'm interested in, in talking to you about, about the business automation because I think it's still misunderstood. But I think a lot of people still mistake doing marketing things for actually having a strategy. Oh, and yeah. I've kind of read up on, on some, some, of the, um, some of the things that, that you say and you know, a, a bit of your background. And that's one thing I've seen you say that, well, I'm paraphrasing, but it's one thing I've seen you say that I really like. So you say, actually, on your LinkedIn bio, you don't have a revenue problem, you have a strategy problem. Can you yes. un unpack that for us, please, Jeff? 
It's true. Most companies don't have a revenue problem. They have a strategy problem. They, um, they first of all, they don't want to do the hard work. And I, I felt falling guilty to that, too. I mean, it is hard work. The hard work is understanding, first of all, who your audience is and what their needs are, then understanding who you are and how you benefit those needs. Then from there, you craft your marketing. Everybody comes to it. This is what I offer. You know, I offer cookies. I have the best cookies. My cookies are the most natural cookies. You should buy my cookies. Nobody cares about your cookies, you know? So it's it's one of those things where you understand your audience and you understand their needs first. And then you understand how you benefit those needs. And now you can put yourself in a unique position of why you are the best choice for whatever you offer. Then you start with your marketing message and your offer. And, and then you start with your, your website, your funnel. All the other marketing stuff comes after that. But the hard part is most people just come out and say, this is what I have. Let me Google and find the average price. Let me price myself accordingly. And let me go out here and, like you say, shout. Let me shout and be the loudest shouter in the room. And hopefully somebody will do business with me. But really, when it comes to long term scaling, you know, lifetime of a customer, it's usually not what you're offering that they're buying. I tell people all the time, people do not eat at McDonald's because the food's good. The food's sorry. Everybody knows the food's sorry, but it's the convenience. It's the location. It's it's a lot of other things that McDonald's sell you that you buy. People don't even realize McDonald's, one of the marketing genius that McDonald's does, and Disney does the same thing. They get ingrained into you as a child that it's a reward to be a part of whatever they're doing. It's a reward. So psychologically, it's rewarding yourself to go to Disney. It's rewarding yourself to go to McDonald's. Has nothing to do with what they're offering. It's the feeling of I'm rewarding myself. I deserve this. I tell people all the time, they don't sell you what you think they're selling you. So once you understand that, you start building the strategy. Now, what I also tell people when it comes to the revenue problem, Stop looking at the what's not working and trying to fix that and look at what's working and replicate that. People spend so much time trying to figure out, well, this isn't working. We need to fix it versus saying, oh, I get the majority of my clients or customers through referrals. And most of those referrals come to, you know, meeting people out and about. And I don't even talk business, like you say. And they refer me business. Well, if that's what's working, stop spending all this money on these clever ads with clever messaging that when you ask at the end of the day, which a lot of people don't, you know, a lot of smaller business don't track. Larger business, they do the numbers. It's data-driven decisions that they make. It's like, okay, so I'm on Instagram. I'm posting every day, two, three times a day. How many sales did you get from Instagram? None, but I need to keep selling on Instagram. You're not selling on Instagram. You're just wasting time on Instagram. So, you know, how are you making business? Well, I, I make business whenever I go to the, you know, the golf course and I talk to somebody and they refer me this big client. Well, how much is that client worth? Well, that client's worth $20,000. Well, you need to go golfing more. You enjoy it and you get good business from it. You know, and that's what I tell people. You you haven't built out the strategy because you haven't even thought about a strategy. You're thinking more about, I need to be on this because it's a trend, because all of my competitors, what they don't even realize, 
a lot of these industry benchmarks may not even be apples to apples with you in your business. You may be looking at a, a report and that report is, is reporting on, let's say, a larger agency. And you're looking at, they're saying this is what you should be doing to grow your agency. But you're dealing with the agency that's actually got seed funding and rounds of funding. It's a different animal. Because here's the thing. If they've got use or lose money, they've got research and development money, they can try a whole lot of different things, see what works and what doesn't work, but they have enough money to sustain it. And they're not going to tell you about the ones that don't work. Exactly. (laughs) And they don't tell you about all the other combinations that make that work. See what I'm saying? Um, Think about this. Elon Musk sells Teslas, custom made. People wait almost a year for their car to be developed. And he sells them at six figures a pop in most cases. But you can't go out and say, I'm going to sell you a car. Give me $100,000 up front. I'll build you the car and get it to you a year from now. See, he has that funding where he can he can do that. He has the funding to do a lot of press releases, a lot of media appearances. He has the fun. He has so much other stuff going on that people want to be in a Tesla because of a lot of other factors. And you now are a car manufacturer and you're saying, well, I'm going to sell my car for a lot and you're going to wait. And no, you're not Elon Musk. So realize where you are, realize who your market may be, and then serve that market. And that's where the strategies come in. That's where you sit down and you you plan and you plan and you plan. And then you say, this is what's going to work. And then also, you got to track, measure, and make data-driven decisions. And nowadays with AI, that is so much easier because you can just pump a lot of that information into the learning machines and they'll spit back what predictive results you should have so you're talking authority and data yes yes the the two things very much go hand hand in hand i mean one one of the things i like about ai is just crunching crunching a lot of data and Mm -hmm. getting far far quicker far quicker conclusions and opinions yeah yeah and that's what the challenges are you know a lot of people don't look at that you know, even for myself, I, I looked at myself and I said, well, how's my business going? And then how am I generating my business? And I was falling guilty of that. I was like, oh, I need to be on social. I need to do this. And that. But the majority of my clients didn't come from that. And so I said, well, I'm spending all this time doing this instead of doing what's working. What's working, if I spent time doing that, then I wouldn't have to, you know, I I may do the other stuff just to be in the public eye, just to be, you know, grab attention like Gary V say. But that's more of if it works great, if it doesn't, it was a good test. But, you know, sticking my my I guess you would say line in the sand on the things that I know that work. Now, if you are just starting out in business, it's hard to do that because you don't know what works because nothing worked yet. But most companies, after you've been in business a year or two, just take a year's worth of data, start looking at it, see what works, and then you set aside a little bit of money for research and development. Because this is the other thing. Things don't work forever. I remember back web design. Let's go back, Andrew, to web design days. Remember back when you were telling people they needed a website and they said, well, I need a website. I've been doing this business for 20 years. I've never had a website. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And those businesses... 
now struggle or if they're still in business because they don't have a website and everybody has a website. And now it's like, well, I need a website. Well, it's the same thing. We've come back around to that with AI. I don't need AI. Why I need AI? I don't, I don't, I don't, the robots aren't going to control my business. Well, let's look, put it like this. Whether you let it happen or not, AI is here. It's, it's going to stay. Yeah. yeah. So you might as well go ahead and embrace it and then see how you can tie it into your strategy. And I'm not saying let it run your business. I'm saying see where it complements what you're doing and then just integrate it. It's, it's, I think it's like a, it's the classic labor saving device. So American marketing in the, in the 1930s to 40s around uh, what we call white goods in the UK. So washing machines, refrigerators and whatever. It was all based on telling housewives, I guess, if you have this washing machine, you no longer have to spend all this time washing things. And I, I doubt anyone back then went, that's it. I'm not having machines run my house. This is <laughs> this, this, the same thing, the same thing with AI. I mean, you know, these days I, I walk through my house and these little sensor lights light up as I go along. And it means I can go to the loo in the middle of the night without falling down the stairs. So, which is an advantage. It's, it's a big leap forward. But, you know, we, I, I don't fully understand the fear that people have over AI yet because it's just another tool in my yeah. opinion. And, and I don't know who's hyped it to the point that it, to make it look like a threat. And no, I was well, going to joke. People look at sci-fi movies and they think that that's what it's going to be. Well, if we start letting this happen, then we're going to have the Terminator. We're going to have this and that. And they're going to, Skynet's going to come and control all of us. And we're going to not have jobs and so forth and so on. The thing is, the funny part is we'll still have jobs. Just our jobs will change a little bit. Instead of you being the graphic designer that has to physically go into Photoshop and design this graphic, now you have to be the graphic design expert to know what to put in as a prompt and let AI go ahead and do it. It's still the the skill is still filtering the output. Um, yep. I've just realized, Jeff, that this might this might blow your mind. It might not, but in the room just out there is somebody I used to be in a band with in mm-hmm. 1994, 95. And he lived the other side of town from me and he didn't have a telephone. His parents didn't have a telephone. So to book a band practice or organize a gig, we used to write letters to each other. So writing on a piece of paper, putting a stamp on it, walking it to the post box, it would then be like 24 hours to get, it would probably go into London, go to the sorting office and then come back out to where we are in Ipswich. Mm -hmm. He'd read it. And even if he wrote a reply letter straight away, there was like a three, four day delay in all communication. And yet the fact that I can now send him a, a, an SMS message, I, I take for granted. And yeah. I, what, I, what I really want to see is what in five or maybe 10 years time we're looking back on and go, oh my goodness, can you believe we used to have to do that manually? Yeah. And that used to take like half a day. And that, that would just be, it would just be something that we, we now take for granted. Exactly. And, 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 and a lot of us are already doing that. Think about how long it takes you and your team to research um, your audience to, to say this is going to be the new offer. It usually takes months of, of meetings after meetings after meetings and meetings to talk about meetings um, to do that. Now you can just put in a prompt, say, hey, based on this, based on this information, based on our historical data, tell us what our ideal customer looks like. And it will literally not only give you your ideal customer, it'll give you your avatar as well. 
And you can say, oh, this is exactly who I need to target. And then whenever you get off track, you can go back and look at it. This is exactly what I need to target. And the beautiful thing is, as it ties into your data, it's not guessing. It's not saying a benchmark. So let me give you an example of a a benchmark hack trick, in a sense. We'll talk SEO because this is what we talk, SEO. Everybody says, well, don't use AI because it's not going to rank well in Google and, you know, it's going to kill your SEO and blah, 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 blah. Okay. Google got Bard, Gemini. Google's heavily invested in AI. Do you not think that Google is not going to leverage AI? And here's the thing. Most people don't know a lot about SEO, so they're looking at the surface level, the title tags and so forth. Well, basically, there are over 240 different factors. Some of the factors are how much content you have on your site. Some of the factors are how long people stay on your site. Some of the factors are how deep do they go into your site, how relevant your content is to the search result. These are factors that weigh way more than you have in an alt tag. Way more, right? So if you have AI and you can spit out a piece of content every single day, And you can make long form content, which long form content is things over 500 words. Right. So long form content and people like it because it's relevant and they read it and they stay on your site and they keep coming back to your site. You're going to be rewarded for that. Google is going to rank you for that. See, people are like Google's going to say, oh, well, it's written by AI. Well, Google literally, what you don't understand is using AI to look at your stuff. So why would they not what, what, let you use AI? What what really interests me is that people go, well, if you go to ChatGBT, even if it's four point five, and you just say, write me a thousand word article on mugs or cups. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I put that, I put it on my website, and Google ignored it. I'm like, well, of course they did. You wouldn't go to a copywriter and say, right, give me a thousand word on mugs. You go to a copywriter and say, I need a thousand words, and this is what we want to get across, and this is our target audience, and this exactly. is the sort of language we like to use. This is the tone of our business. This, this is this is the point in, in the article in which we want people to have that like penny drop moment. This is the point. You know, try putting all of those things into, yep. into a prompt. Exactly. You're not, not going to get garbage out. It's just and, not going to happen. You don't even look at the other factors. Did you even index that article? You just put it on your site. You never indexed it. You never told Google it existed. You waited for Google to find it. And the way Google finds it is you have to index it or a link that Google finds links to that particular piece of content. The funny part is, if you didn't do any link building, you're not going to be found. Sorry, I didn't Oop, understand. Sorry, hold on. <laughs> uh, Alexa, stop. Google, stop. Sorry. That's all you have to do now. Say Alexa, stop. No, Google, stop. No, Siri, stop. Oh, sorry. Uh, Exactly. Exactly. Because they're always listening. Everyone quiet. And, And that's the other thing that we don't talk about. They are always listening. If you have these smart devices, you have these phones, they're always listening. And they're always serving you up content based on what you are interested in. Um, how many of you have talked about a certain thing and all of a sudden your social feed starts showing that thing that you talked about or your search results start showing? And you're like, wow, why am I getting these ads about this? I was just talking about that. It's not magic. You know, they're always listening. So if you know that when you're building your strategy out, you can start putting trigger words into your content that makes you relevant for what people are talking about 
And then all of a sudden you start showing up. But it's like going back to what you said, it's about knowing what your strategy is going to be. And it's not just a tool or a trend and say, oh, well, I'm just going to do this, you know, little trend and I'm going to automatically be found, automatically be loved and automatically grow my business. And it just it sounds good. Now, that's why we hire good copywriters and good PR, good media people to paint the picture of that because it sounds good, but that's not how it works. It's not. Uh, one, one of my, um, one of my um, things that I talk about when, when I do public speaking, I speak to groups. Mm-hmm. One, of, one of my little bells that I ring is that marketing hasn't changed in 200 years. I, I've got myself and a copywriter I work with, we've kind of got this like two-person book club where we'll find the oldest marketing books we can and then share notes. And one of my favorite ones was written just after the First World War. There's things in there that just have not changed. It's so fundamental. Learn your audience, learn what motivates them, learn how to serve them. That's, yeah. we, we, we do it with different tools now, but if you're, if you're, I love that you're talking about Instagram because it's, I think social has been missold by the people who own social really yeah. badly because you're just hollering into a void <laughs> pretty much always. You are just, you are in a cave shouting to yourself <laughs> most yes. of the time. Yes. And they've got everybody buying into the myth, but we don't really realize what social really is selling. Social's currency is attention, like Gary Vee would say. It's attention, and they're really selling you dopamine. Mm. They're selling you that dopamine that keeps you scrolling. I remember one time I looked, at the end of the week, I looked, and my phone said, this is what your activities have been. And I had spent 14 hours on TikTok. 14, 14 hours. hours on TikTok. I've got, I've got a teenage in daughter, a and I don't think she's ever spent that long <laughs> on TikTok. <laughs> and I would love to tell you, Andrew, that it was business-related, but it was not. Cats. It wasn't. It was just scrolling, looking at people's stories and entertainment. And 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 that's what they're selling. You know, um, if you knew what was behind the curtain, then you could understand it. People think, well, Google search results is, is just because they want to serve you. No, they're selling ads. And in order for them to sell ads at the price they're selling ads at, they have to have be the authority source for content. And so People come there, and since they go there, they say, well, because we we can identify the audience that comes here down to the least little thing, and we can get you in front of that, it's going to cost you this. So that's their business model. But if you don't know that, you're thinking it's just by happenstance and luck. Social media, they're, they're selling you the dream. I, you don't know how many arguments, Andrew, I get in, into with people that say, well, this influencer has a private jet and a Lamborghini and a, and I'm like, no, they don't I have a lot. Yes, they do. And I'm like, I know they don't because I helped with the campaign and we rented <laughs> all of that. And I'm telling you that they don't, you know, and they're like, no, you can't, how can you tell me when I have the invoice, I can tell you that they don't. And so it's funny because social sells us this, this imagery and we buy into it. And so Businesses, I'm, I'm, that was more on a personal level, but business-wise, the business looks at social and they compare themselves to these companies and they compare themselves to these influencers and they believe the hype too. We need to be doing this because Amazon's doing it, but you don't know Amazon's model. 
Amazon has a lot of other moving parts that make that work. You can't do two day shipping if it's you and five other people in your 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 whole business. You know, Jeff, did you have the saying growing up that like um, I don't know if it's just a British thing, but if you if if you're caught here, if you're caught doing something stupid with your friends, you say, "Oh, but my my friend was doing it." Parents mm-hmm. say, "Well, if your friend jumped off a cliff, would you do that?" Yeah, so yep. I think I think that's social media. Yeah. You know, like what, it, what, what reason is there that, that you would do and that? And here's what? the funny part. Here's the funny part. The ones that jump off the bridge usually have a parachute or a bungee cord, but you jump off with nothing <laughs> because everybody else is jumping off. So I'm going to jump off too. Mm-hmm. And then once you get in the air, you see, wait a minute. He didn't tell me about the parachute. God, that's such a good analogy. I really like that. That's that's tidy. I really like that, Jeff. Yeah, yeah, and and that that's what a lot of businesses. Even I've been with some fortune size companies, and they're like, "We need to do this because this other company's doing it." It's like, why? I mean, you don't, you know, because that other company isn't even in your industry. They're not even apples to apples, but you're looking at they're in the news a lot. They're yeah. getting props because of this and that. No, understand your lane, stay in your lane, and your audience come to you for your uniqueness. They don't come to you because you're like that other company, because if that's the case, they'll just go to that other company. I, I, I like your message, um, Jeff. And unfortunately, we are, we are slightly over time, but it, it, you're, you're in your flow, and I'm enjoying talking to you. So I wanted to talk about your book. I don't want, to, don't want this conversation to end because I'm fascinated by anyone who's, who's written a book. So t- tell us about your book, Jeff. Well, that book was written basically because of silos. I noticed a lot of, uh, especially in corporations, a lot of businesses, everybody came to the meeting and they <laughs> pretty much would say, well, hey, social media is doing well. Or, hey, SEO is doing well. Or, hey, you know, my department's doing well. But they weren't looking at the overall goal of the company. And so the book was basically talking about how can you get with your team and y'all work together and understand the common goal? And then how can you automate a lot of it? How can you take a lot of it off your plate? A, a lot of us, especially when it comes to nine to fives, and and and, and I'm not going to just say nine to fives. I'm going to say business owners too. As, as, as in business, we do a lot of busy work hmm. just to say we're doing work. And at the end of the day, it doesn't move the needle. And so being able to see that you know, as a leader, being able to look at your team and say, you know, that's nice. We got a hundred followers, a thousand followers, a million followers. Great. Let's look at our bottom line. Did we make any money? No. Well, it didn't matter then. Or if it did matter, how did it matter? Because everything isn't always the end goal of revenue, but how does it contribute to the revenue? If it didn't contribute to the revenue and we just got a bunch of people, Les Brown said it best. I can set myself on fire and get a million people to watch me burn. Because honestly, they will watch you fail. Doesn't mean they want you to succeed in business. So, you know, understanding that, and that's really what the book was. Look, let's take it, strip it all back. Let's work together to to the common goal versus coming to the meetings and saying, well, my department did well. We don't care what everyone else did. And then all of you are sitting on the curb because the business went bankrupt. So it, it's, it, I'm, I'm so on board with that. It's, I kind of, 
would like businesses to get to the stage where they don't hire someone for social. These things should just be mechanical. You know, they're just mechanical things. It's like, yeah. I haven't been asked for a while, but sometimes the phone will ring and someone will say, can you come and teach us how to use Twitter? And I say, why are you using Twitter? Yeah. It's the mechanical stuff of, right, put your text in that box, press that button, well done, you've, you've tweeted. That's irrelevant. Me- mechanical things change. They're, 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 they're dull. It's like you know going to buy a new car. Yeah. Going, well, how do the push rods in this car work compared to my previous car? Like, Who cares? <laughs> Just exactly. And you know the funny part about that is a lot of your social media team doesn't even talk to your copywriters. <laughs> That's it's, what I mean. I mean it should be a, a machine. It should be the exactly. whole car. It's the whole like, car. how do you write for social, but your copywriters are writing for your website and your blog, and they're writing something totally different, and you got your PR team, they're writing something totally different. You don't have a company voice because nobody's talking to each other. You know, they all just doing it the way they want to do it. And you, you you are so on point with that because a lot of times we get lost. I remember one time I was talking with a, a client and I was trying to develop a strategy. And then I said, well, I can give you a list of a million people. You can buy a list. Okay. We all know in marketing, buying lists. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just pretty much. Rolling the dice, you know, I mean, I'm not going to say you're throwing your money away because sometimes they work, sometimes they don't, but it's probably not the best thing for you to do. But when it came to buying a list, that client literally within 10 minutes paid that invoice. When I started talking about building a strategy, they still haven't done that yet. (laughs) It's, I think we are, we're on, on the bleeding edge here, Jeff, we're, we're, I really value people who actually kind of put these in, put these things into words, into books, because books have a sort of a gravity that I still don't think is quite matched by by other platforms. Oh yeah, but just yeah. want to celebrate you kind of putting that that message out there because it's so important. And it, it, every every time you mentioned earlier about oh people saying Google move the goalposts and they they don't, they just get better at sniffing out junk and. Mm. Um, this this whole thing of it, it's not the mechanics, it's not the delivery, it's the strategy. So when yeah. I, I did a, a LinkedIn Live today, I don't know if you played with that, LinkedIn Audio. Oh, yeah, I like LinkedIn Live, yeah. Um, well, I was on one of those earlier, and we were saying that when schema code first became a thing, so, you know, uh, for, for listeners, if you type for hotel information or, or whatever, and Google gives you that information on its result page, you don't have to go through I had I had clients throwing their arms up and go, that's it, it's rubbish. They're just stealing our content. I was like, no, 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 we need to be there. You need to be there. And what I'm really looking forward to in the next year is the Google AI results. So when you type it in, the little AI box is going to actually give you the answer. Oh, yeah. And what that's going to do, it's going to force everybody in SEO and therefore everybody in digital marketing and more importantly, business drivers, marketers, to up their game, get better. I love, yep. I love any development that makes us get better at serving humans, not You're algorithms. Right. You're right. And it's, 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 I would give you a year or two before that comes into play because Copilot already does that. You.com mm. already does that. And if you, you don't think that Google is about to release it, you know, the big boys, they don't, they don't really come up with new ideas. They just find people with great ideas and they either figure out how they can duplicate it or, or mimic it or, or just buy it, Yeah, <laughs> you know, flat out. So it's here. I mean, they're trying it with Bard. They're trying it, but Bard's not there just yet. But yeah, 
as you can see with like if you go to Edge, do Microsoft Edge or go to Bing, when you come up with your search results right beside it now on the right rail is the AI version giving you another piece of content. I, I love this. I, I love that it's it feels like the Bing fight back because like you, I started, we used to optimize with these rules for AltaVista, these ones for Hotbot, these ones for Ask yeah. News, and, and it, it's become very homogenous, and I don't think that's necessarily a, a positive thing. So um, I am going to have to wrap up, I'm afraid, Jeff. Sure. Give me a give me a parting thought. If 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 someone's listened to the whole of this conversation, which has been really interesting, if you wanted them to remember one thing, what would it be? I think the the best one is you don't have a revenue problem; you have a strategy problem. I mean, focus on your strategy. Go back to the principles of marketing. Um, look at who you serve. Like I love what you said. You know who you serve, how you serve them, how do you benefit them. Um, and then at the end of the day, it is about building relationships. I, anything in business is about building relationships. Let's let's get away from all the magic that we have in marketing um, and start getting back to just building strong relationships and helping serve people that need what we have. And And I think that's really what it comes down to. That's an absolutely great message, Jeff. Um, right, listeners, we will. Uh, I'm going to ask you to check the show notes because there's going to be links to find Jeff on LinkedIn and any other interesting links of Jeff's that I can find. And I just want to say thank you for listening. Please like, subscribe, and do all that stuff because it does really, really help. So anyway, Jeff, I'm going to say goodbye. Would you like to say goodbye? Oh, yes. Thank you so much for having me on, Andrew. This was fun. It was great. Um, you know, anything I can do to help you, you and your listeners, just let me know. Um, you know, I, I really appreciate the opportunity to, to be on with you today. Thank you.